0: 18 plus
2: pittsburgh steelers fans it is time for another edition of know your enemy from behind the steel curtain i'm behind the steel deputy editor michael beck hanging out with you as always with one mr jeffrey benedict our film analyzing guru jeffrey how are you doing tonight sir
3: doing good man doing good
2: beautiful and uh special guest as always for know your enemy from the raven's wire mr matthew stevens matthew how are you doing tonight I'm doing
1: fantastic thanks for having me
2: beautiful and you know what there's no better week than Ravens week I I think I I think it's better than Christmas better than uh, spring break it's just one of those weeks where you or if you can't get up for this if you're part of this rivalry I don't think you can get up for anything so I guess my question to you guys first off the top here I'll start with you Matthew how excited are you for this matchup oh man I'm so excited you
1: know it's Every week with Steelers week, it's always going to be good football. You know you're getting a good game. Regardless, win, lose, draw, it's going to be good old school football. And, you know, like you mentioned, if you can't get up for that, man, like uh, why are you watching football?
2: Oh, exactly. This is uh, this is one of those rivalries that uh, you hear people talk about what uh, the Bears and the Packers are. The Ravens or not the Ravens, excuse me, the, the Niners and the Seahawks or some of these other teams, but I, I just don't think it it holds a candle that. Jeffrey, is this the greatest rivalry there is in the NFL?
3: Oh yeah. Right now, yeah. I mean for since the Ravens actually, you know, were good a few years after they joined the league, it has been. It's it's been the best for the last twenty years. Like there's there's nothing close to it. I mean, I was, I was pumped after uh, the, the Titans win. We ended up 6-0, and and I've kind of riding adrenaline and just building on that since since then. So I'm, like, incredibly excited for this week.
2: Right. Now, I should mention uh, AJ in the live chat here said, Mike, four years ago, Christmas and Ravens week was the same thing. That's 100% true. So uh, you got me on that one, I guess. So <laughs> uh, not a holiday this time. Second matchup will be on Thanksgiving. Jeffrey, as you said, uh, Steelers are 6-0. and uh Ravens are five and one of course you look a year ago Steelers great and eight. I believe uh, Baltimore finished the year at 14-2 I want to say um yeah. so I guess Matthew in this sense from a Ravens perspective is there is there a great and uh heightened um kind of feelings in this game is this do you feel the Steelers and Ravens are playing at the same level I do. I do. I mean, I, I think if anything, actually, the Steelers are playing just a hair above
1: where Baltimore is. I mean, certainly that's the case with a 6-0 record versus a, a 5-1 record. Uh, both teams have gotten a chance to play against really good AFC teams in terms of the Chiefs for Baltimore. And then the Titans here for the Steelers, obviously, the, the Steelers won their game. Baltimore didn't. Um, and, and that I think you know, that's the difference. Can can Baltimore go ahead and rise up to the challenge here? Uh, that we'll see. <laughs>
2: Right now, Jeffrey, what are your early thoughts on this game?
3: Oh, my early thoughts on this game are uh, they go they go straight to this this, this straight to sure. statistics. I always like to look at situational football, like like through the season, and uh, this is the Ravens coming off a bye week, and the Ravens are ten and two coming off a bye week under Coach John Harbaugh, seven and one at home. The last time they lost, the only time they've lost with John Harbaugh, their coach, at home, coming out of a bye week was that awful 2015 team that won five wins, and they lost to Jacksonville. So they, you you don't want to catch the Ravens after a bye. You don't want to catch them at home after a bye, and uh, Steelers are walking right into it.
2: Yeah, we were chatting earlier uh, before we got on here, Jeffrey, and I noted I believe that was the the mustard yellow uh, Ravens pants that won a super random year. It it seemed like everything just kind of – went the opposite way for the Ravens in the past 15 years, kind of one, one of those weird off years. Um, obviously the Steelers kind of fell into that a year ago. Uh, but M- Matthew, my question to you is, what do you typically see out of this team uh, out of a bye week? And Are, are you uh, kind of riding a little, uh, little higher in this matchup because uh, of that bye week factor? Absolutely,
1: I mean, I, I think Baltimore, as Jeffrey pointed out, is fantastic after a bye. Fantastic at home, and you got both those things going for the first time. You know, uh, here this uh, year, that's great. And Baltimore is going to have fans in the stands for the first time really this season, so they're going to be a little bit pumped for it. Um, and you know, despite being five and one, Baltimore's had some issues kind of coming into that bye week and into this game. Hopefully, that bye week has kind of helped them solve some of those things, get a little bit fresh. Uh, you know, arguably this should be the best version of Baltimore. We're going to see this season realistically.
2: Right. And you know what, uh, Jeffrey, you did throw out a stat earlier uh, about the Ravens uh, being what seven to one under John mm-hmm. Harbaugh at home, Ben Roethlisberger, very interesting stat. Um, after a game where he throws three interceptions, I, I believe the stat was he's eight and four. So I, I, I guess what I'm kind of posing to you is something Mike Tomlin brought up in his press conference, I believe it was yesterday, um, how this team kind of has to to grow and learn from those kinds of, uh, kinds of outings. Is this something you're kind of looking at like, okay, Ben's got to kind of dial it back to what we saw out of those first five games from him? Or do you think gunslinging Ben might be back now?
3: I think it's a really good question because we saw against the Titans – Tomlin even said, you know, we're taking what the defense gives us. They've been saying that all year. They've been letting defenses dictate which receivers have good games, you know, how much they run the ball. They're just taking what the defense gives them. They've got a lot of versatility. they got a lot of depth, and they're like, hey, you know, you stop what you want to stop, and we'll attack you other other places. This is the first game I think we're running into where that's not going to work. Baltimore's defense last year, you know, started the season terrible and then got better as the season went on. This year, it's carrying their team. That is a, that defense has really come together, and uh, it's going to be tough. That defense right now is playing better than the Steelers' defense, and the, we're not going to be able to just take what they give us because they're not going to give us anything. Uh, we're going to have to make some plays. We could see if 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 they can't get the run game going, we're going to have to we're going to have to rely on Ben. Get out there, make plays, throw the ball around.
2: Right now. Matthew, I'm kind of curious uh, from your perspective. Obviously, uh, the Steelers had a role with uh, a couple backup quarterbacks, and the two matchups uh, these two teams played a year ago. What do you think having Ben uh back uh, in this in this game specifically? What what does it kind of mean for this game, and d- does it kind of put the Steelers and Ravens at more of a competitive uh, level playing field? I, I should say.
1: Certainly. I mean, you guys saw what the Steelers were like with anybody other than Ben Roethlisberger under center last year and it, it wasn't very good, let's be honest. Um you know, he he's been in this rivalry for it feels like 40 years at this point. Uh and, and he's a part of it. I mean, it's it's going to be weird kind of not having Terrell Suggs in there uh and, and having some of those big names for Baltimore as well where it's like they that's what made this rivalry great and and for what it's worth you know Pittsburgh has a bunch of young guys in there uh, that, that are starting to kind of bring their era of this rivalry in there. And that's kind of exciting in its own way. But yeah, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger is, for a lot of Ravens fans, the Steelers. Um, that's, that's what they've known.
2: Right. Now, Matthew, I'll come right back to you on this next question here. The quarterback on the other side, of course, Lamar Jackson, uh, reigning MVP, uh, dual threat quarterback that uh, really kind of took the league by storm a year ago is he still playing up to that MVP level or is something kind of going on where he may have taken a step or two back this year?
1: Well, I certainly, I think he's not playing at that, uh, you know, MVP level. His his stats certainly show it, you know, 1100, uh, passing yards, great at 10 touchdowns to two interceptions. But, you know, if, if half the defenders that he threw the ball at were able to catch the football, he would probably have six, seven interceptions at this point. Um, cause he's bouncing them off a guys' chest. So, uh, no, he's he's not playing up to that level, um, and and there's a bunch of different factors for it, but but ultimately it relies on you know Lamar Jackson just needs to be better, especially down the field and outside the numbers, which are two of the areas coming into the season everyone kind of critiqued uh, Baltimore for their their weird desire to try and force those things to work. They're not, and uh, you're seeing the end result of it.
2: Right now, Jeffrey, how can the Steelers' defense, like we've talked about it a lot, th- this defense has kind of built itself to kind of try to stop Lamar Jackson the Ravens. That that kind of seems to be the philosophy. When the AFC North get in the playoffs, anything can happen after that, but in order to do that, you got to basically stop L- Lamar Jackson. Without Devin Bush in this lineup, that's going to be a lot harder. Do you still foresee there are going to be some sort of spy in this game, or how does the Steelers' defense as a whole stop Lamar Jackson?
3: We do spy on Lamar, but it doesn't uh always have to be the fastest player on our team simply because of what we do with Bud Dupree and TJ Watt uh against Lamar Jackson, which is just like even even against Robert Griffin, they did it. Uh is they get him straight to the quarterback. Uh we we got tore up in, in week 17 last year by the Ravens with Gus Edwards running straight at where TJ Watt was while TJ Rott was running Watt was running in to hit Robert Griffin. Uh so we put them right in there. Uh, those two are athletic enough that if, if the quarterback keeps it, they know they're going to, they're going to have to deal with someone who's just as fast as them and, and is, is looking to light them up. But that opens up things for the run game. It will be interesting to see. Um, he's, Lamar's harder to deal with for the Steelers on, on scrambles than he is on actual designed runs or on the, uh, the options. So it, it'll be interesting to see what we do. Losing, losing Devin Bush is really a big deal. Uh, you can see it in the film. If you know what you're looking for, uh, the responsibilities changed. And a lot of our linebacker packages were a lot more vanilla than they have been. Uh, it's, it's just going to be interesting to see. I really don't have a clue of what they're going to do with, with with trying to deal with Lamar in a spy situation because we just don't have someone to play that role. We just don't have it right now.
2: Right. And, you know, Baltimore, as we talked about earlier, has had a couple weeks to prepare for not having Devin Bush in this lineup. So they, they've probably gone back in time, watched Robert Spillane in university and uh, his time in Tennessee. Uh, you just know how that that team works. And Matthew, I kind of, I guess my question to you on this would be, how do you kind of expect the Ravens to kind of exploit that hole in the middle for the Steelers?
1: Well, much like Pittsburgh's done this season, Baltimore has been doing since last season in terms of, you know, pick your poison. Who do you want to go ahead and stop? We're going to do the opposite and just go somewhere else. Now, Baltimore hasn't been as successful with that this year, mainly because, you know, there's really two main guys and it's Mark Andrews and it's Marquise Brown in in the passing game. And then their running back rotation's kind of a bit of a mess considering there's four of them. Um, If five, if you want to include Lamar Jackson for that matter. my guess is, you know, they're going to attack the middle of the field. You've got a linebacker out, unless you're going to commit a safety down there to go ahead and kind of bridge that gap a little bit. Uh, like Jeffrey was saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to attack where the weaknesses are if I'm Baltimore, and that's going to be the middle of that defense, the heart of the defense. Whether it's runs right up the middle, let's see if we can't get something going that way, or let's just quick slants right into the middle of the defense and see if either a safety can stop somebody like Marquise Brown. Or if they can go ahead and get a guy like uh, you know Willie Snead or, or even Miles Boykin in the middle of the field to just power over a linebacker or two.
2: Right now, Jeffrey, obviously, when they're looking over the middle, uh, a name like Mark Andrews obviously jumps off uh, off the paper. The Steelers this year, I know we've talked a lot about how that could be a big time uh, tight end or a large wide receiver, that could kind of be uh, an issue for the Steelers defense. And that's, that's something that really hasn't quite been as big an issue as we kind of uh, projected and worried about where does that stem from? And can that continue against a guy like uh, Mark Andrews?
3: Well, it's been Terrell Edmonds so far. Uh, And with, I, I think a big factor with, with the Ravens, especially for our game here is there's only Mark Andrews. Like Nick Boyle is not a receiving tight end. Last year you had Mark Andrews and you had Hayden Hurst, but Hayden Hurst is is over there like lighting it up in at, over for the Falcons, and Nick Boyle hasn't been a receiver to fill those shoes, uh, so it's just Mark Andrews. And I think I think at that point it really is you can put Terrell Edmonds on Mark Andrews. You can say hey you're going to man up here and and go. And he's going to do the job. you know. Andrews is going to get some catches, but he's not going to do much if, if the Steelers just put Charles Edmonds on him because that's what Terrell Edmonds does.
2: Right now, when we look at the, the Ravens' receiving core kind of outside of that, Matthew, you, not really too many names, if, if I'm being honest. If I'm looking yeah. at one kind of weakness on this offense, it, it seems like the lack of kind of a, a big play guy, someone that they can throw the ball to consistently – it seems like it's just not there. Am I wrong in saying that? Or is there is there something that I'm missing along that uh, receiving core?
1: No, you're certainly not. I mean, this is a team that just added Des Bryant, 32 years old, hasn't played football in nearly three years. That tells you the state. I mean, Des Bryant might be still really good. He's not prime Des Bryant. Uh, it's, it's not who he is. Marquise Brown has a tendency to kind of disappear in games. Sometimes a lot of that's because they don't have really that third option outside of him and and Mark Andrews. So no, I mean, they they were hoping Miles Boykin was going to step up, uh, obviously, you know, effectively a clone of Chase Claypool. Uh, they ran basically the same numbers in the combine. They're the same height. They were in the same offense. Why one of them's performing and one of them isn't probably has a lot more to do with Baltimore's offense than it does those players, but um, they were expecting him to step up and he hasn't so far. and you know we're we're kind of past the point where they're going to be able to add someone this week via trade, but um, there's a reason why a lot of Ravens fans are kind of itching and expecting a move to happen beyond just adding Des Bryant to the practice squad.
2: Right. And you know what? That trade deadline is rapidly approaching. Uh, I know it doesn't have anything to do with the, the game itself, but I'll start with Jeffrey on this. Do you expect the Steelers to bring anyone else in? I know there was all that kind of uproar last night on social media with uh, Cam Sutton posting a couple cryptic uh, Instagram posts. Now, that uh, seems to be absolutely nothing more than, I, I guess, uh, you could call a trolling effort on his part. Do you expect this uh, roster to be kind of a, a lock here for the Steelers as uh, they roll past the trade deadline?
3: The only way I would see the Steelers making a move is if Robert Spillane's shoulder is, is a more serious injury. But that I think he even practiced uh, this today.
2: He did, yeah. He wasn't yeah, on the record so at it's,
3: all. That's not a thing. I don't expect a trade at all. That's the only reason I would have expected a trade. Uh, and so I don't expect one.
2: Yeah, no, that makes sense. And Ma- Matthew, is is the overall sense kind of uh, coming out from Ravensland that uh, the receiver position will kind of be addressed here? I,
1: that I think that's the hope. Um, and my guess is Baltimore's making some calls around. But you know, if if you're a good enough wide receiver to come in here and be a second or third guy, um, you're not coming cheap. Whether that be draft capital or whether that be straight up cash, Baltimore's really short on cash and you know, they've made a bunch of moves this off season and, and this year trade wise. So while they're not necessarily bad in draft picks, they, they, they don't have as many as they would normally like. So it's just a matter of finding the right bang for the right buck effectively. But my guess is, yeah, they're, they're in on something. They're trying to get a deal done. Um, hopefully it happens, but uh, yeah, that, that seems to be the, the prognosis here.
2: Right now, Kind of transitioning back to this game, Uh, I know, Jeffrey, you mentioned earlier that you think the Ravens right now are playing better defense than the Steelers are. But for the argument of this question, I'm kind of hoping for either of you two guys to kind of defend each of your team's defense in saying who has the better defense. And, Jeffrey, why would you think the Steelers have a better defense than the Ravens in this one?
3: Uh, Let's start with the edge rushers. Uh, Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt are the best edge defenders in the NFL. Uh, beyond that, you add in the defensive line: Tyson Alualu, Stephen Tuitt, Cameron Hayward. Those guys are dominant, uh, and that gives you five guys right at the front that are just beating the other team's front line. We're seeing five-man rushes. We're just you—you uh, you blitz one player, you got five guys going after their quarterback, and teams are keeping in six or seven guys to block to deal with that. It's incredible. Uh, so that's, that's where I would go. And then our safeties, Minka Fitzpatrick, I know everyone is kind of down on him. Uh, the Steelers really hang him out to dry a lot and just say, you know what, you're going to have to do the job of two guys so that we can get an extra player in the box and, and attack. And, yeah, he does all right. He's doing okay. You know, I, I think people forget how bad this defense was the first two weeks of 2019, and uh, we're not that bad. We still have Minka Fitzpatrick. We're still a really good defense. Uh, we're just doing it a different way. We're doing it a little different. Um, Terrell Edmonds has really stepped up. He's playing better. Our cornerbacks are four deep. I, I don't think any of them are superstars anymore. Hayden is obviously was a superstar. He's not anymore. Uh, and the other the other three are just solid. Uh, so I, it's it's good there. But the real strength of this team is the front. Those front five. Those front five are just as dominant as can be. And that's why we're seeing Vince Williams put up ridiculous stats is because no one gets a body on him. You can't afford to. And Vince Williams is just, just wrecking your plans all day while you're trying to deal with, with the guys in front of him.
2: Awesome. Now, Matthew, I, I want to hear your side. Why do the Ravens have a better defense than the Steelers? Well, I, I think uh, you know Jeffrey
1: was right. A lot of really good uh, options there. Uh, Baltimore was – just barely behind Pittsburgh in sacks, 22 to 26. They both have the same number of quarterback hits, 64. Uh, And this is a team that just added a Pro Bowl pass rusher in Yannick Ngakwe. Um, Then on top of it, you got Patrick Queen, who has been growing leaps and bounds week by week by week. Then you've got Uh, an all pro secondary just across the board. I mean, you got Marcus Peters playing outstanding football, a little bit gambly, but that's his game. Uh, You've got Marlon Humphrey who plays inside outside at a pro bowl level. You've got Chuck Clark, who is just insanely smart, really underrated, across the league and even a little bit here in Baltimore, um, but very, very smart guy who's getting his getting the job done. And you got Deshaun Elliott as the other safety who is just a heat seeking missile. Uh, you know, th- that guy that's going to knock somebody out in a, in a game like this. Um, so you've got a great secondary that has been kind of handicapped by how much they've had to blitz in order to get the level of pressure they've been getting. Now you add another pro bowl uh, pass rusher to go along with Calais Campbell uh, you should have the makings of the best defense in the league, even if you go beyond the fact that they already are number one in points allowed.
2: Now, I, I do want to uh, talk about that D-line. We'll get to that in a second. But I, I'm curious, Matthew, your thoughts on losing, what, both to, uh, Tony Jefferson and Earl Thomas, uh, both both guys, uh, starters from a year ago, no longer on the roster for week one this year have the Ravens skipped a beat without having those guys, uh, in the locker room anymore, or is that, uh, or, uh, are they, uh, kind of a little bit less, um, as stellar as they were from a season ago?
1: Honestly, I think from a safety play, they're actually better than they were uh, a season ago. I mean, the first few games of last season, this was not a very good defense. I mean, obviously Marcus Peters got added that helped, uh, but as much as I like Tony Jefferson, him going down with an injury and Chuck Clark stepping into his place, we saw improved play over the back half of the season. So, um, you know, this offseason when they went, all right, look, you know, we're, we're going to cut you, Tony. Sorry, man, but you make too much money to be a backup. Uh, that was fair. And granted, the, the decision to cut Earl Thomas kind of came out of nowhere uh, to a certain degree. But at the same time, you know, Deshaun Elliott, who they gambled on being healthy and being able to play at that level, has shown through. Um, and where they were weak last year, safety play wise, as Steelers fans and certainly uh, Titans fans will remember, is against the run. Those guys, uh, especially Earl Thomas, gave up at times um, or, or just got shoved out of the way. Uh, if you're Derrick Henry, um, this year, again, you got Deshaun Elliott, who's not afraid to stick his helmet in somewhere. Um, and isn't afraid to to go make a play and isn't going to give up on a play. He's still got that kind of like young uh, attitude to him, which is is great. And that's kind of what Earl Thomas maybe didn't have. And I think part of the reason why he's no longer on this team. So um, in a weird way, you know, I expected them to drop off uh, from coverage standpoint, but they've made that up through their cornerbacks so far this season. Um, so, yeah, all in all, I think they're actually playing better than they were this time last
2: year. Right now. Jeffrey, when you when we get back to that defensive line for the Ravens, um, Ngakwe, of course, just added. Uh, Calais Campbell's been a stud for them. Uh, Pierce, uh, of course, one of those run stuffers. I, I know he, I believe, missed a game before the bye week. Uh, expected to be back this week. I'm, pr- I'm fairly certain. Uh, and then Judon on the other side. Is this, let's just say we'll take the Steelers defensive line out of the equation. I know this is a tough question, but is this the best defensive line there is in football?
3: <laughs> uh, behind the Steelers, um, I, I do think the Steelers are above them. I do, especially if you include Watt and Dupree in the equation. Uh, I'd be—I that is a tough one. That is a tough one. I, I, they're in that discussion. They are—they're yeah. up there in that discussion. That's a—that's a really well rebuilt line, uh, and they use them well. They use them. Well. I mean, we—we've seen here what uh, Chris Wormley has been able to do, which is you know barely barely stay on the field. Uh, and he, he was productive for the Ravens last year. They use them well. Uh, and they've, they've got better ones now than they did last year. So it's, it's a good group and it, it really is. And they have linebackers, you know, but Patrick Queen, now they actually have lost some linebackers to back them up.
2: Right now, before we continue on that defensive line, you, you did, well, I guess is sticking with the defensive line. You didn't mention Chris Warmly Jeffrey, and I, I want to come right back to you on this. Uh, was that just a complete whiff on the Steelers part? Uh, I know it, He's kind of projected to miss some time with a knee injury and an MRI. Uh, nothing's really been reported on that uh, as of late. Um, it, has that just kind of been a waste of a fifth-round pick? I, I know it was a pick swap, essentially, but then uh, Warmly's deal is also expiring at the end of the year. They got Cam Hayward back under contract. Is, was that just kind of uh, one of the times the Ravens probably just got the 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 step over the Steelers, I guess you could say?
3: It looks like it may end up that way. Uh, just because of him being hurt, but I, I was actually I've I've not been unimpressed with his play. He he just hasn't gotten much time. He's not a pass rusher. He doesn't really bring anything in that regard. And where his strengths appear to be is in uh, like outside zone plays. He's really good at moving down. He's he's good at usually staying in in the right spot and keeping his keeping his lane integrity. Uh, but he's not flashy. You know he's not going to be a Tyson Alu-Alu. He's probably one of those guys that if if the Steelers keep him around, uh, he'll be. He, we'll see an improvement next year, but because it's a very, we run a very different system with our defensive line than the than the Ravens do. It's a it's a very different ball game coming here, or, or and being there.
2: Matthew, were you surprised when the Steelers made a trade with the uh, Baltimore Ravens? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I was, um, and, and I think
1: that you know maybe goes to Wormley's value here in Baltimore. He, he was a third round pick in the 2017 NFL draft. We we effectively gave you guys a seventh round pick and Wormley in exchange for a fifth. So we came nowhere close to replacing his original value, despite the fact that he nearly played like 50 percent of the snaps last year for us. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it whatever you trade a player to a division rival, it kind of says a lot about that player. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's Baltimore really didn't know. I think how to use him effectively. Uh, They originally started him out kind of like a nose tackle where they maybe were going to try to get some interior pass rush. Clearly that didn't work. So they moved him defensive end just again, didn't really do a whole lot out there uh, for Baltimore, even though he played a good bit uh, in in that rotation, they just didn't really know what to kind of do with him. And and Pittsburgh, as Jeffrey mentioned, you know, obviously uses their guys dramatically different uh, and, and Pittsburgh probably felt that they could get something out of him where Baltimore, you know, he was going to be buried on the depth chart regardless, even if he made this team at all. So I'm shocked, but not terribly shocked. They dealt a guy like Wormley.
2: Right now, Matthew, I'm going to come right back to you here. Um, the Ravens obviously uh, acquired uh, two former Jacksonville Jaguars um, for that defensive line. Uh, one coming through Minnesota, a quick pit, pit stop, uh, decreased his value somewhat. And then the Ravens got him for cheaper. Um, a little bit interesting path for Ngakwe to get to Baltimore. Uh, he he did rack up some sacks, but um, fairly like not super impressive in his time in Minnesota. Um, that being said, not many people have been impressive for the Vikings this year. Calais Campbell, on the flip side, that's another guy that went for a fifth round pick who's been absolutely outstanding. Uh, someone who's been a bit of a Steelers killer. I, I will admit. Uh, over the years watching uh, him go uh, up against the Steelers' offensive line, Calais Campbell. Personally, something I'm kind of fearful of in this game. Obviously, we haven't seen uh, Ningakwe play yet, but what do you think the, the combination of those two, uh, uh, influx of the Baltimore Ravens' defensive line, kind of mean to this team and what, uh, what they're going to bring to this defensive uh, unit moving forward? Oh, I think the trade was huge. Um, I mean, first of all,
1: As you kind of mentioned, they they both played, uh, Campbell and and Ngakwe played together in Jacksonville, so they've got that familiarity that should allow Ngakwe to to kind of get up to speed relatively quickly, uh, everything considered. Even if you just go, look, line up here, you know what to do, go get them. Um, You know, you and Campbell know how to kind of work off each other in in, in that regard. Um, Because I know Jacksonville, a lot of the times, would put both of them on one side of the the line, just you overload uh, an offensive line that way. and, and you force them to go ahead and, and make adjustments, which is is great if you're Baltimore. Um, you know, even though he wasn't as productive in Minnesota, I mean, five sacks over six games is better than anything Baltimore has produced from one player um, this season. I mean, Calais Campbell's got four through six games and got three of them in all in one game. So, um, you know, it, it, it's Baltimore did a lot to go ahead and revamp their defensive line this offseason from a run-stuffing perspective. They certainly needed to, um, but adding Ngakwe to it, It adds a a whole different level when it comes to this pass rush now um, and will allow a very aggressive and very creative defensive coordinator and Don Martindale be even more aggressive and even more creative in how he wants to go ahead and rotate that defensive line, how he wants to blitz, who's blitzing, um, just a lot of different things. So uh, I think, um, yeah, Campbell and Ngakwe, huge, huge additions this offseason for that team.
2: All right. We're going to transition over to part two for those of you listening on our podcast platform. So you can click over to that. Um, everyone hanging out on YouTube, just, just stay put. Uh, we will get more, uh, of, uh, know your enemy with Matthew Stevens from the Raven's wire on the other side